Have you ever just wanted someone to walk alongside you as you do the thing? The thing that makes your heart come alive and leaves our world just a little bit more like Jesus than we found it. I'm a girl wildly passionate about cheering on my friends in the pursuit of making God known through their unique calling. So buckle up because I'll gather up my favorite seasoned and rising leaders in their fields to share inspirational stories, strategic advice, and hard-won wisdom. I'm your host, Rebecca Dotson-George, and welcome to the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. You're listening to episode 24 of the Do The Thing Movement Podcast. The song in the background is the song Not By Might by the band All Things New. If you haven't checked out their music, definitely go do that. And today we have a really important, very special conversation with author Julie Manning of the book My Heart, Every Beat Surrendered to Our Unchanging God. And guys, this is such a great conversation just about the brevity of life, about some of the things that Julie has been through. She just shares so openly and honestly with us and she just has such a wonderful, beautiful heart and I'm excited for you to meet her today. So without further ado, let me introduce you to my new friend, Julie. Okay, Julie, I am so thrilled to have you on the show today. So would you care to start us off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Absolutely. Well, it is so fun to be able to be here today and have the opportunity to just kind of share what God is up to, not only in my life, but I hope also in the lives of everyone who gets a chance to listen today. Um, My name is Julie Manning, and I am married to my husband, John. We've been married for um, nearly 14 years, 14 years in August, and we have three boys. Um, Our oldest one is 12. His name is Noah, so we are in middle school and navigating all things middle school with him. And our second son is Hunter. He's 10. And then our littlest guy, Joshua, is five. And he came to us through adoption. And he is our little miracle baby. When I am not taking them to baseball and soccer and football and tennis and swimming and all things boys related, (laughs) I work part time as a nurse practitioner and I take care of children who have heart disease and need heart surgery um, to fix their hearts. And so I feel like I have a job and a career, but it's not really a career. It's a calling. Mm. Um, I love what I do and I would do it even without a paycheck. And so that is my kind of little God wink of where he has put me to be Julie. Yeah. Um, and allow me to be me where I am. That makes sense. Oh, it totally makes sense. And I think once listeners hear a little bit more of your story, they'll understand even more about that God wink, which is really special. So I actually in like career life outside of just the podcast and ministry life, I'm a nurse recruiter. So I love being on kind of the other side of, I don't know, I get to talk to people every day that um, are just living out their calling. Like you said, um, you know, in caring for people. And I don't know, I've just found that that's a really special thing about nurses is that, you know, it's, 
for the most part, not just a career for them, but it is a calling. And so mm-hmm. I always love getting to connect with nurses. They're just my kind of people. So this is, <laughs> <laughs> we, we're, we're a special kind of unique group of people who my husband, you know, when the Haiti earthquake happened about 10 years ago, like something in within me was like, I have to go. I just have to go help the people of Haiti. And so I got to go down there and help them. And now with the pandemic, you're just like, no, like this is, this is why I do what I do is to go and hold hands of people that are sick and to like, it's just in, in you, in us and what has led us to do the job that we do. Yeah. I love it. I was talking to one of my friends this morning that she's in nurse education now, but has been a nurse for many, many years. And she texted me mid morning this morning. And she said, I'm seriously considering taking a travel assignment up in New York. Just pray because (laughs) she had been talking to somebody this morning about it. And she just feels like maybe that maybe she's supposed to do it during this time. And so so yes, yeah. I so agree that it's just like in your blood, you know, as you, as you talk to people like yourself. So, so I love, I love nurses. I will say that, but I'm so excited because today we're here to talk about your book called my heart, every beat surrendered to our unchanging God. And so I think the best place to start for listeners who maybe haven't read the book yet would be just to have you walk through a little bit of your story and just how God paved the way for this book to come to be. Absolutely. So like I said before, I had been working um, in a cardiac ICU setting for a handful of years. And when I go in to give birth to our second son, whose name is Hunter, I was having a repeat C-section that day. And during the operation, I wasn't feeling well. I was shaking. I felt lightheaded and dizzy. And so my first instinct was, well, let me look at the cardiac monitor that I'm hooked up to. Like, are my vital signs okay? What does my heart rhythm look like? And that's, again, that is just my brain, you know, going, I've got to make a connection as to why I'm not feeling well and what is physically happening. Well, I look over at the monitor and my heart Um, rhythm is in a really bad rhythm. One that I would had anticipated that they would start CPR on me. um, And then I passed out. And thankfully that day I didn't need to be resuscitated or have CPR. My heart spontaneously um, returned into a normal rhythm, but that started a lot of heart tests um, that doctors ordered. And, you know, thankfully you know, that day everything checked out okay. My heart was beating fine. My heart rhythm seemed to calm down. Um, but the doctor on call that day said, you know what, I just want to see you one more time. I want to lay eyes on you in about six weeks. So I go in for that six-week appointment, have an ultrasound done of my heart, um, have another couple tests done, and she goes, okay, we've got all the testing done. I'll review it and I'll give you a call, you know, later this afternoon or, you know, in the next couple of days to discuss the results. So I get home and I don't think I was home for very long at all. And my phone rings and I see it's the doctor. And so I answer it and I could just tell by the, you know, sound of her voice. And I sat down and I heard her say, you're in heart failure. 
I need you to start these medications. I'm going to call them in for you. Can your husband go get them for, for you from the pharmacy? And led down this road of being a previously healthy, active woman, new mom to urine heart failure. And I don't know if you're going to have tomorrow kind of thing because my heart was in such bad shape. And so it was just a huge wake up call that I had to start grieving through um, and walking through. And that was just kind of like the tip of the iceberg of what the journey was that was ahead of me. Um, a few weeks later, I went in for a procedure to try to fix my heart rhythm because my heart rhythm was still going in and out of this bad heart rhythm. And I coded and they had to resuscitate me that day. And I wake up with burn marks on my chest from the pads that they put on your chest when you're in the operating room. And for me, that was the moment of like, oh, this is my life. Yeah. This is our family. I'm no longer thinking that I'm caring for one of my patients, right? Like my, my life laid there lifeless and they shocked me several times to get my heart back beating. And so, um, that was a lot to swallow for me. Um, really facing life's brevity. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all, whether or not we admit it or not, think, oh, we're going to get, you know, 85 years, you know, like we're going to live, we're going to see grandbabies, we're going to, you know, be old and gray and have to walk with a cane and a walker one day type of thing. And, but we're not all guaranteed that. We're only guaranteed however long God wants us here. And so that was the journey that I went on. And when you face your own brevity of life, goodness, that put a whole new perspective on how I spent my days and reprioritizing how I spend my day, how I speak to my kids, how I speak in love on my husband, mm -hmm. how I treat my coworkers at work, how I serve at church. Like everything shifts when you realize you're not guaranteed tomorrow. And as I walked through that process, I really got convicted that none of us should need a heart disease. None of us should need a cancer diagnosis. None of us should need the sudden death of someone in a car accident to wake us up to this reality. God's word should wake us up to that reality that He's the one that puts breath into our lungs. He's the one that causes our heart to beat. And so let's live that way. Let's live purposefully. Let's live intentionally. Let's live being risk takers. Let's live loving deeply and serving deeply. So anyways, that's, that's kind of the start of my story. And I didn't want to write the book. <laughs> if I'm honest, I didn't want to write it. <laughs> I was going to ask you that. So talk to me about what God did in your heart. You know, I've read most of it. I'm still working my way through kind of the back half of the book, but tell me about what God did in you through the process of writing the book. I'm, I'm working on my first book right now. And I mean, that's a whole nother conversation, 
but mm-hmm. I'm just curious, you know, some people go into writing dreaming of, you know, being an author one day or, you know, that really being their jam. And then some people kind of stumble into that, that journey. So could you talk about that a little bit? Absolutely. So I have a very unique story. You know, like you said, most people will, you know, write a few chapters and put some information together and send it off to publisher companies to, you know, see if they'll accept their script, right? Right. I, I had a publishing company approach me to see if I wanted to write my story down because they had heard it be shared. And so I initially was like, no. But then I had like this thing in my stomach and that thing in my stomach is almost always the Holy Spirit when I can't ignore it. I try to push it aside and then it's like, oh no, I can't eat it. You know, I feel nauseous. Okay. What am I? I'm being disobedient. Oh, that's what that is. Right. And, and so I shared with a couple of friends that I think I was supposed to start sharing my story and my husband and I prayed about it and we went back to the publishing company and said, okay, I think that I'm being disobedient by not writing it. So I'm going to write it. But then I also said, but you have to realize that I'm not going to like go on a book tour or publicize it or do anything that you want me to do for book sales, because that's not who I am. Yeah. I like to be, live a quiet life. I like to live unknown and just, <laughs> so I will write it down because I need to write it for my boys because just in case I don't get to see my youngest one graduate from kindergarten, he starts kindergarten in the fall. Um, or I don't get to see them grow up in high school. Like they've got the book written down and it's really a book written to them. Yeah. I love that. And actually my next question was just in regards to that. I love that at the end of every chapter, you write a letter to your boys. And would you talk about just maybe how God kind of put that on your heart and maybe even how you've seen glimpses of him use that? Um, you know, even so far, even while they're still young, um, because Mm -hmm. of that. So at the end of each chapter, I write a letter to the boys, basically my prayer for them. Um, I don't hide from them that they're going to go through hard things and I can't predict what hard things that'll be for them. Right. We each, everybody has hard things that we walk through. Um, but I know that our God is the same through our hard things and that we can't trust our circumstances, but we can trust our God who is at work through our circumstances. Um, and I can trust God's character over my feelings. And so those letters are really just me wanting to leave a mommy print and a mommy note to them because I'm not always going to be around. And I may be around for a lot of them, but I'm not going to be around when they're 60 years old. (laughs) So maybe they'll still have that letter from mom when they're 60. But I keep journals for my boys anyways. I started journaling when all of this happened. And so um, I used to write in them more frequently now because I've got three to write in. I write in them about once a month to the boys. And I just write, you know, how I'm praying for them and the season that they're walking through you know, how I'm proud of them, how I want to encourage them, you know, and sometimes I write in there, mommy had a really hard day, 
and I'm crying because of X, Y, Z. And I know that you may have days when you cry too. And I want you to know that God is comforting me. And I know that God will comfort you in your tears too. So like, they're not like these profound, you know, life lessons or anything like that, but just a little, I want them to have a keepsake of their mom one day. Yeah. I love that. And so there's another story early on in the book that I'd love for you to talk through. And that is the story of you writing the Christmas letter. So I would love, (laughs) I would love for you to unpack that because I think I so resonated with that because so many times when we're going through tough seasons, uh, several years ago, my mom um, was diagnosed with breast cancer. She's now a survivor and we've kind of walked through that Mm -hmm. whole journey and God's been so faithful but I can think of times when we were in the midst of that, that my heart was really not to be real and maybe vulnerable about what was going on and how God was meeting me in it, meeting me in it, but just, I wanted to encourage other mm-hmm. people. And so when I read that story, I just so resonated with it. So I'd love for you to tell listeners that story. <laughs> okay. Well, those from the South will probably appreciate this a little bit more just from the Christmas card standpoint you know so we you know every time around Thanksgiving you start thinking what Christmas card am I going to send out to friends and family and you know what cute outfits can you have for matching outfits and pictures and you know sending this all out to your friends and my husband John he goes you know and he's a man of conviction he is like man When he gets convicted about something, I'm like, oh, do you really need to be convicted about that? Because I'm I'm not sure I want to go there. But he was like, Julie, people need to know how you're doing. And so I said, okay, we'll write a Christmas letter this year along with our little cute picture of, you know, the four of us, right? And, you know, John, myself, and then Noah and Hunter. And, And so I sit down and it takes me days. I mean, I try to be funny. I try to be witty. I try to like, just kind of touch the surface to be like, Oh, we're okay. Everything's fine. I just cry every time I get in the shower because I don't know if I'm going to wake up tomorrow. Like (laughs) nobody wants to read that. Right. And so I write this letter and I'm really proud of it because John is very witty. He makes me laugh all the time. And I'm like, he's going to think I'm funny. He's going to think that I can, I can hang with him. And so I sit down on the couch and I let him read it. And he just quietly closes the computer and he turns to look at me and he goes, yeah, that's horrible. Like that. No, this is not what you need to share. And I was like, I got so mad. I wanted to punch him in the shoulder. And like, cause I just, I was like, I don't want to go there. Why do you have to, why, why do I have to go there? And so but I knew I needed to go there. Right. Again, I had that thing in my stomach from the Holy spirit going, Julie, you're being disobedient, like write down. And so I walked over to our kitchen table and I opened up the laptop and I literally, it took me 10 minutes and I just bared my soul and could care less if I misspelled words or, you know, poor grammar or whatever. The base of the letter was there and I showed it back to him and he wept because he knew that that's what our friends needed to know. And even if they were acquaintances from college or whatever, like they needed to know where we were, how they could be praying for us. And 
possibly even encourage them with the scripture that has been comforting to us because we don't know what they're going through either, right? When we get their Christmas cards with their cute little pictures on it, mm-hmm. they may be in tough seasons too. And I couldn't tell you the outpouring of responses that we got that year. Emails from friends that we hadn't seen in a couple years, just praying over us. And if there was any time that I needed prayer, it was then. And, um, and so it, God was like, look, you wanted to withhold this information, not purposefully, but just kind of like guard yourself. But God also showed me through that, that through vulnerability comes his blessing of allowing other people to walk that road with you and to pray over you and to encourage you. And that's how he uses the body of Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It reminds me of one of the verses that God really used during my mom's cancer journey, which is Romans eight eighteen. So it says, for I consider that the present sufferings of this life aren't worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. And yeah. I think so often we, um, maybe, maybe in those moments of fear, we're scared to maybe be vulnerable, but we have no clue how God will use those moments where we're brave and we, we have courage to share and just share how he's meeting us in that. And, and he does, he gets the glory from it. And, and that's what it's all about. And so I love the kind of subtitle of the book. So it's every beat surrendered to our unchanging God. And so I'd be curious, you know, how has God taken this principle of how he's unchanging and use that to encourage you throughout your journey? Well, how many times do we change our mind, right? Oh, I'm going to wear this today. Oh, no, I'm not going to wear that. Oh, I feel like Italian. No, maybe Tex-Mex. Like, how many times do we change our mind about something? We change all the time, but I can trust that God doesn't change, that when his word says that he is a steadfast rock, when his word says that his blood has covered my transgressions and that Christ came so that I could be free, that he shelters and he heals the brokenhearted. Like when I see God's goodness throughout the Bible, when I see God's, um, forgiveness all throughout the Bible. Like I, I have to cling to the fact that I can trust in his character and not my circumstances. And so when the Bible says that, you know, he is the author of our faith and that he's the one that tells the wind and the waves, how far to come on the shore. Like I can trust that he has numbered my days and heart disease or no heart disease, defibrillator, no defibrillator. Like I can't change how many days he's got for me, but I can trust that I'm going to live every single day he has for me. If if that makes sense. Yeah. And so trusting in him and trusting in who he is really decreased my anxiety, decreased my fear and allows me to fall asleep at night on my pillow, not scared of the what if is, am I going to die in my sleep tonight? Or if I'm going to wake up in the morning to see my kids and make breakfast again and make another pot of coffee and, you know, do all those things that I do in my everyday mundane life, if that makes sense. Um, 
And when we trust in something that's bigger and greater than us, we can truly find rest as well. We don't have to keep striving. And I was a striver. I was a go, you know, I still am a go-getter and achiever, but I achieve knowing whose arms I rest in, if that makes sense. I don't have to make a name for myself. I can rest in his name because his name is bigger than and greater and grander than any name that will ever be. I love that. I love that. One thing that you talk about some in the book is just that fear that you face of, you know, what if my kids were to see me collapse? Um, what, what would that, what would happen there and, and things like that. Um, and you share in the book that that actually did happen. And so I'd mm-hmm. love for you to kind of walk through that, that part of your story, but then also, just how would you encourage somebody maybe who's listening and maybe it's not the exact same fear, but it's similar as a mom Mm -hmm. and how would you encourage them in that on the other side of it? So when Hunter was about 15 months old, um, we were at church and my husband needed to go to our church's other location because he needed to do something there for the second service. And so I was just, after the first service time frame, I was just going to pick the kids up from the nursery or childcare area and take them home so that we didn't have to be there for, you know, four hours that morning. And so when I'm walking to go get the kids, I just do not feel well at all. And I have pressure building up in my neck. I was short of breath and couldn't breathe. And when I tried to sign my name to get Hunter out of class, I was feeling so weak that I asked the nursery worker, I was like, can you help me get them to the car? I'm not sure I can get them in their car seats by myself. And I'm like, why did I ask that? I don't even think I could drive home. Like, I'm not sure why I thought I could still drive home if I couldn't get them to the car. Um, But then I changed my mind real quick and I said, actually, no, you need to dial 911. I'm going to collapse and call my husband as well. He's in my phone, but call 911 first. And I dropped to the ground and collapsed in front of, I don't know, 20, 30 kids. Um, And my two boys were right beside me when that happened. And I had suffered a heart attack that day. And, you know, EMS came and hooked me up to the monitors and rushed me off to the hospital. But um, that was one of my greatest fears was like, what if my kids actually see mommy laying on the floor lifeless? Like, and I, that day I collapsed right in front of them. And again, God was so sweet to be like, guess what? Even in your biggest fears, I'm still God. Yeah, I'm still bigger than that. And it's like, Hey, Julie, do you see how I am providing for you? How I am giving you strength, how I'm giving you breath, how I am comforting you, how I am persevering you, how I am loving on you right now. Guess what? I love your boys too. And I'm going to be all of that for them too in the midst of their fears. And so God is not just God over me. God is God over all of his children. And so that started bringing me comfort to know, you know, like if I die young, my boys are going to be okay because they've got Jesus, you know, like, yes. Is that going to stink for them? Yes. Am I going to miss watching them grow up? Yes. But I'm also going to be in the presence of God, which is like better than anything. 
And that, that could be part of the story that God has for my kids. And I have to trust God with that. Yeah. And so even in our fears, our fears only have as much power as we give to them. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want God to hold all the power because he does have all the power and I'm going to trust in him. And I also had to set up barriers to be like, as soon as a fear, because I mean, fears still come into my head. I mean, I'm 10 years into this and I still have nights where I'm like, oh, I don't want to die tonight if I fall asleep, you know, but then I have to be like, no, God has got me. He's got my kids. He has my breath. If he wants me here tomorrow, I will wake up tomorrow. And so I replace those thoughts. I stop that spiral of thoughts before it goes darker and darker and I spiral down. Because there was a time when I spiraled down into to darkness and depression. And because those thoughts can, be, can really be tricky and sneaky and, and pull you under. But we don't have to look very far. We shouldn't have to look very far to see God um, every day. And I actually was convicted this week because oftentimes, you know, winter comes, all the leaves on the trees fall off, you know, things look barren and then springtime happens. And I was convicted because this year I actually saw the leaves grow on the trees because I wasn't running around like a chicken with my head cut off. I wasn't, I had time to dwell. I had time to sit. I had time to stare out my window as my fourth grader is finishing one of his long division problems, right? And I actually got to see the leaves grow and I got to be reminded that, gosh, God is always at work. Mm. How many times do I need to be reminded to be like, oh, wait, yeah, that air that just went into my lungs, God pushed that in there. You know, like he is the one that gives us breath. He is the one that causes our heart to beat. He is the one that causes those leaves to regrow on trees and life happens outside in nature. And so I think that bringing back the practice of solitude and of slowing down and prayer in our lives, you know, how many times do we talk about praying, but do we really spend the time praying? Um, All of those things that have caused cause us to slow down. And I see God's kindness in, in that right now in my life is because I'm being forced to slow down. I wouldn't choose to slow down unless sometimes my circumstances cause me to. And and right now in the slowness of things, I'm seeing him at work that otherwise I would have missed. Mm. And even living with heart failure, I still have to be reminded to slow down and look and see God at work. And so I want to encourage myself. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage anyone that lands on this podcast and listens or has listened this far into it, um, that one, you're seen by God. He knows you and he wants to spend time with you. And in spending time with him, our faith will grow. Our trust in him will grow. Our reliance and our surrender to him will grow because we'll figure out that he really is the best thing for us. When we cease striving and actually sit at the feet of our God who created all of creation and created us and sent his son to die on the cross for us, like he's all we need. And truthfully, he's the best thing for us. And so why wouldn't we 
take that time to pause and remember and lean into him so that he might just do something miraculous in our souls. Yeah. And I, I so agree with you and God's been just showing me a lot of those same things in this season. I think it is really challenging when we, when we sit back and think about what we've been able to experience and and notice and um, just rest in during this time and, and to think, man, how many of those moments have I missed in the past just because I glorified the idea of busyness and I was so busy Mm -hmm. that I just, I just missed him, you know? Um, So yeah, I love that. Well, Julie, tell us how listeners can find the book, how they can find you to keep in touch with you, all those good things. Well, I think the book is on still on Amazon. So that's easy. (laughs) I can say go to Amazon. Um, Barnes and Noble and, or at least it's online at Barnes and Noble and Lifeway as well. I'm on Instagram. I don't really post much on Instagram, to be honest, Yeah, but they can find me there too. I really, really enjoy connecting with people. So if people reach out, like know that I'm just another girl trying to figure out life this side of heaven. And we're in this together and we're supposed to be for each other. So I'm for, for you and want to pray and fight for people's souls to really know him and trust him and lean on God because he's everything. Yeah. Well, Julie, thank you so much for being on the show today. I'm just so encouraged by you and just so excited Mm -hmm. for listeners to get to hear from you. Well, you are a treasure. Rebecca, keep doing what you're doing, and I'm I'm excited to see how God's going to continue to use you. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you need anything from me at all, I'm super easy to find Rebecca Dotson George on Instagram and Facebook. I'd love to connect with you and hear how the show is encouraging you. And hey, let's help make it possible for even more listeners to be encouraged by hearing stories of my people doing the thing. There's a couple ways you can do that. One, by subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. And two, screenshot the show and share it on your Instagram stories. Oh, and make sure you tag me there so we can connect as well. All right. I can't wait to talk to you again soon. And thanks so much for listening to the Do The Thing Movement podcast.